Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, started in the late 1800s, uh, basically to decorate the graves of the fallen Union soldiers after the uh, Civil War. Later expanded to include remembering, remembering all those who had given the ultimate sacrifice. And then not just soldiers, but ultimately expanded to remembering all of our loved ones who have gone before us. Uh, to be with the Lord. But Memorial Day is really a day of demarcation. It's the end of the school year, the beginning of the summer. The start of, <laughs> amen, start of pool parties and summer activities and vacations, right? Now I have this wonderful Memorial Day serving that uh, I've developed over the years. You're just not going to get to hear it this morning. It's, uh, it's a little difficult sometimes on special days, uh, especially with the beginning of vacation, and I know some are on vacation. But after really asking the Lord, being in revival in Mississippi through Wednesday and then just got back on Thursday, Lord, what do you really want to say? So what I want you to do is to turn today to one of the most famous, well-known, and yet probably most misunderstood of all the Old Testament prophets. I used to say in the beginning, it's a whale of a story, but that's a bad joke. <laughs> so what I want you to do is turn with me to the prophecy, the Old Testament prophecy of Jonah, and we're just going to read a couple of verses of Scripture. In the first chapter, in the beginning, the, the first verse, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry or prophesy against it, for their wickedness, their iniquity, is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. That's 500 miles in the opposite direction from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And Tarshish is 2,400 miles away from where he's going all the way to the end of the Mediterranean Sea in what we would call Spain. So he paid the fare thereof. He purchased his passage and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Now that word sent out or cast out is repeated throughout the four chapters of this prophecy. It's a Hebrew word hurled. God hurled out. He cast out a storm. God hurled out, cast out a fish. God hurled out Jonah from the belly of the fish. God hurled out a vine. God hurled out... You have to understand what that word means. It means that he cast out, or he literally cast off. He hurled something out. And God sent out a great wind of the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, though the ship was like to be broken. When the mariners were afraid and cried every man to his God, and cast forth their wares that were in the ship into the sea. Same word, hurled out cast off all their cargo to lighten the ship. But Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. That's interesting. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What are you meaning by this, O sleeper? Arise, call upon your God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And then in verse uh, 12, 
And he said unto them, take me up and cast, same word, hurl me, cast me off, or cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be common to you, for I know that for my sake this great storm is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. The word there is to dig in deeper. They dug their oars in deeper, trying to turn the boat back to the shore. But they could not, for the sea was wroth, and was, there was a temp, uh, temptuous against them, and temptatious against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and prayed unto God. And they said, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? And Jonah says, you have to cast me out. Now the Lord, verse 17, now the Lord had prepared or cast out or hurled out a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter two and verse eight, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto you with the force of thanksgiving. And I will pray I will pay that that I, was, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So I want to use these verses and talk to you this morning about get off my boat. So we turn to Jonah, the most famous of all the Old Testament prophets. Every children's Bible storybook has the story of Jonah and, quote, the whale. And then in this, uh, my children's generation, it was made famous by Veggie Tales. And now it was made famous by the Sight and Sound Theater in Branson because they do this production called Jonah. And yet it's probably one of the most understood of all the Old Testament prophets. And the reason for that is because people major on the wrong thing. All they think about is quote unquote the whale. Well, first of all, it was not a whale. The word is a great sea creature. And what I want you to understand is that there was never one before that and there's never been one since then. For the Bible said God prepared it. God created it. God made it for a purpose to turn around a rebellious prophet. God hurled out his creation. And there's never been a fish like that before and there's never been a fish like that again. And so forget this concept of a whale because when people center on that, then they want to deny the validity of this book. They want to distort it. They want to say that it's not uh, accurate. But what I want you to remember is that Jesus validated it. All you have to do is turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. And it was there that Jesus' generation looked at him and said, show us a sign. And he said, it is an evil and a a, a, a adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. So the only sign that you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Even so shall the Son of Man. Even so will I give my life. I will be crucified, dead and buried. And I will be in the body of the earth three days and three nights. And then just like Jonah, I will be resurrected in the newness of life. So Jesus used it to validate his own death, burial, and resurrection. He also used it to validate the power of anointed preaching. For he said to them, Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. And yet there is a greater than Jonah here right now. I'm the son of God and you've heard me and yet still you did not repent. And so what I want you to know is that the Lord himself validated this book. Now it's misunderstood because we forget the way the Jews 
used it. It was read on the Day of Atonement. Now, you remember the Day of Atonement. That's the National Day of Repentance for the Israelis in which they offer up two goats, one as a sacrifice and the shedding of blood, and the other as a scapegoat that will carry their sins off into the wilderness. And so they read this book because they said Jonah is a prophecy of mercy and forgiveness. Jonah's prophecy is a prophecy of mercy. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. And it is a prophecy of forgiveness or grace because grace is you get what you didn't deserve. And what this entire book is about is about the mercy and the forgiveness of our great God. In other words, first of all, he says that he cares about the wicked and the ruthless. There was no one any worse than the Assyrians. They were the terrorists of their day. They used cruel and inhumane means and military might. And yet God still loved them enough to send a prophet to bring repentance that would postpone their judgment so that they would receive the mercy of God. They didn't deserve it. But God is a God of mercy. He cares. And he not only cares for wicked and ruthless generation of the Ninevites and the Assyrians, but he cared for his wayward, rebellious prophet. Amen. When, when Jonah disobeys God, God cares enough to hurl out a storm. Oh, listen to me. Every time something goes wrong, we say the devil, the devil, the devil. Uh-uh. God loves you so much. He's willing to hurl out a storm in order to turn you around from the path that you're on that is leading to destruction and that will turn you back to himself. He cares that much. Amen. If you don't hear anything else I say, listen to me. The storm seems to swallow you up, but that's not the purpose of the storm. The storm is not there. The fish is not there to swallow you up. It's there to save you. It's not there to destroy you. It's to deliver you and to restore you back to your destiny. If the storm and the fish is not prepared so that you will perish, but that you will be pardoned and restored to the purpose of God in your life because God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace and God is a God of love and forgiveness. That's what this book is all about. In fact, it ends in that fourth chapter by saying, do you care? God cares about the wicked. God cares about the wayward. But do we care? Amen. You need to read that. I don't have time. You need to read that fourth chapter. Because we're so used to living under the provision, the shade of God's provision, that we wind up not caring for other people. That's what Jonah did. God said there's 120,000 children in that city of Nineveh. And you want me to destroy it. You care more about a vine and a shade that I provided for you than you do for 120,000 innocent kids. I wish I could stop right there because do, sometimes that's like us. As long as we're under the provision of God, we don't really care about others. Well, Bob, you're preaching better than we're shouting this morning. But, <laughs> but that's not what I want to tell you about. There's another message in this. And that's the message I want to preach to you. And that is the message of fact that you need to get off the boat. Amen. Because you see, here's the picture. Jonah's running from the presence of God. He's coming down the, the gangplank. He purchased the ticket. He pays the fare. He buys his own way. 
and he gets on board the boat that's going to Tarshish. And you say, well, Brother Bob, he, he paid, I know that, but you're the captain of the boat. And just because somebody purchased the fare doesn't mean you have to let them on your boat. I mean, you can watch him as he's coming down the gangplank. He's dressed like an Old Testament prophet. His face is contorted with pain. He's fleeing from the presence of God. He's disobeying the Lord because he doesn't want Nineveh to be saved. He wants them to be destroyed because ultimately it is that nation that will destroy the northern kingdom of Israel and bring his people into bondage. And he knows that. So he doesn't want them to be saved. And here he is, contorted in his appearance. Look at, in fact, the Bible said that he told them that he was fleeing from the presence of God. They knew what was happening, and they, they allow him to purchase p- passage, buy the ticket, and get on board the boat. You're the captain. You don't have to let things on board your boat. <laughs> and so the Bible said he gets on board the boat, and he goes into the bottom of the ship and goes to sleep. And because he's on board the boat, a storm breaks. Sometimes the things you allow passage on your boat is going to produce a storm. It's going to produce a fish. Amen. (laughs) And here he is in the bottom of the boat and he is asleep. He is oblivious to the storm. Here they are doing everything in their power to save the boat. They, they cast out, they hurled out their cargo, the treasure, the valuables that they're taking to the port. They threw that off the boat. And when they find out that Jonah is the source of this, they rolled harder and dug deeper and tried harder to bring the ship. Here they are going through all of this effort and energy to save them, to save the boat, to save Jonah. And he's in the bottom of the boat and he is asleep. He is oblivious to the fact that he caused the storm. Just hold on to that. Because that's what happens in our life. The very things that we allow on board our boat that causes the storm, that causes the problems are usually oblivious to what they're causing. Amen. And so the first question is simply this. Here is Jonah purchased. What have you allowed to purchase possession or passage on your boat? What have you allowed to come on your boat? Well, the pleasures of sin which are just for a season. Now, no one said that sin wasn't fun. <laughs> if it weren't fun, you wouldn't do it. A- amen. Uh, you, you know, we try to be stupid with people. We try to tell them, you know, sin is bad. Yeah, it's bad, but it's fun. <laughs> okay. The only problem is the fun fades The fun doesn't last. The pleasures of sin are but for a moment, for a season. They never produce lasting joy. And we all know that because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we understand that the pleasure, the excitement soon fades. That's why we drink and then that doesn't give us a high and we, we go to marijuana and that doesn't last and we go to coke and that doesn't last and then we go to meth and that doesn't last and ultimately people are mainlining heroin because the high doesn't last. 
Oh, come on. Anybody a chocoholic like me? Well, there's a medically proven fact of why you like chocolate. The moment you bite into it, in your mouth, your saliva begins to digest it and it releases an enzyme in your mouth and that enzyme goes directly to the pleasure center of your brain and when you bite in that chocolate, it tastes good. <laughs> and so we don't eat one piece, we eat the whole box. And the result is a storm, now we got thunder thighs. Because that's the way sin is. It's pleasure, but it's only for a season. Pills and porn and any type of a sin that you can think about. It doesn't last. And we allow the pleasures of sin, which are but for a moment, to come on board our boat. And then we wonder why in the world that the storm breaks out. Amen? And then it's not that, but it's, it's, uh, it's passion. I mean... <laughs> David sees the nakedness of Bathsheba. He, he seeks information. He sins for her. And then he sins with her and commits adultery. And then the Bible said, guess what? After the passion that you just had to have on board your boat, a storm breaks out. Amen. Amen. I mean, she gets pregnant. And that, now, now you got to do something about her husband. Because you just committed adultery with her. And, and, and the Bible said because of, of this inordinate affection for passion, he just had to have Bathsheba. Now, the sword will never leave his house. Storm breaks out. I mean, uh, go, go read the story of Samson and Delilah. He just has to have her. He is so passionate about her that he puts his head in her lap four times in a row until she takes away his vows and his commitment. He's shorn of his relationship with God, cost him everything, shakes himself to go out as he did before and the spirit of the Lord has departed from him. The passion destroyed everything in his life, his destiny and his purpose. And yet he brought him on board, she brought her on board the boat. Amen. You see, if we're not careful, we bring people on board, things on board our boat that causes the storm. And if it's not passion and the pleasures of sin, then it's possessions. The Bible said that Solomon made silver like rocks in Jerusalem. He seeks wisdom and wine and women. And when he's old, they turn his heart away from God and turn him to idols. I mean, he said, I sought all this stuff. I had all this riches. And I discovered that when I had everything that my heart desired, it was vanity of vanity and vexation of spirit. It was empty and hollow and of no value. Amen. Do you understand that the Bible says beware of covetousness? For a man's life consisteth in more than in the abundance of things that he possesses. Do you understand that the Bible says that covetousness is the same as idolatry? Amen. Do you understand how empty a life is that is just filled with things? Moth is going to, to destroy. Rust is going to corrupt. The thief is going to break through and steal. The Bible said, don't let your hearts become overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of life. If you get wrapped up in bringing back, we just have to have all these things. Don't we? Well, you have to have the new iPhone. I'm sure it costs 1300 bucks, but you got to have it. 
You've got to have the latest TV. It's no longer uh, high definition and 4K. Now it's uh, crystal clear KLED. All, all the little fads and trinkets, you've got to have the right clothes. They can't be from Walmart. They, they have to be designer. You've got to have the right name on your sneaker. And, and we... <laughs> Uh, I didn't say it's going to be a fun sermon. <laughs> and we load our life with all these things, all these possessions. And we're overwhelmed with the cares of living. We can't afford them. We go into debt and we wonder why we're bankrupt. We wonder why we can't pay tithe. We wonder why we can't support anybody else. Why we're living from paycheck to paycheck and about to go under because we brought all these possessions that are unnecessary on board our boat and the storm breaks out. Oh, that's good preaching. I don't, you're looking at me. And pride and position, people will do anything in the world to, to gain that position. I've just got to have it. I'll lie, cheat still, step over other people. Pride and position and power. And we wonder why our boat is in a storm because we've allowed them to purchase passage we brought them on board our boat and people. We bring rebellious, toxic people and allow them to come on board our boat. <laughs> they took Jonah. They knew that he was fleeing from the presence of God. He told them. They know he's a rebellious prophet. They know what his purpose and destiny is. He's supposed to go to Nineveh and to preach repentance and to bring the postponement of God's judgment on that wicked nation. And instead, they get him on board their boat and we bring people, toxic people, people that do not bring us into the presence of God, but take us away from the presence of God. People that are living in rebellion and disobedience to the commandments of God, and we allow them to come on board our boat. Take David. He loved his son Absalom. But you gotta know Absalom is not what you think he is. You don't have to buy how the Bible describes Absalom. He was beautiful, beauty. You don't use that term for a man. But they did. They said he's beautiful. And his hair was gorgeous. He only cut it once a year. And it, they, they actually, as they cut it, they weighed it. But underneath his charm, he's narcissistic. All he cares about is himself. Under his charm, there's cunning and conniving. Under his charm, there's anger and hatred and murder. And he's willing to destroy his own brother and murders his own brother. And instead of fleeing to the cities of refuge, which what an Israelite should do when he does a deed like that, he flees to a wicked, ungodly pagan king. You don't want him on your boat. He's rebellious. Oh, hallelujah. I knew, I knew this one was going to get really quiet. Because we see what they're capable of. And we bring them on board our boat. And then we say, I don't know why I'm in the storm. <laughs> I mean, Jonah gets up, the captain says, uh, uh, you know, uh, why are you asleep? Jonah is oblivious to the storm that's about to sink the ship. 
and people that are toxic are allowed on board our boat and the storm breaks out in your life and, and they say, me? I wouldn't call moi, me? I'm not the source. Yeah, you're the source because of your rebellion and, uh, and, and disobedience. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and we bring them on board our boat. David brought him back into the kingdom. And when he gets back into the kingdom, David, after he, after he killed his own brother, David should have left him alone. But no, he's my son and I love him. And, and he brought him back on board the boat. Brought him back into Jerusalem. And now he stands at the gate and says, you know, if I were king, I'd judge in your favor. And the next person comes up and say, he says, you know, if I were your king. I, and he steals the hearts and turns them against David and there's rebellion and he drives his own dad off the throne until ultimately he has destroyed himself in battle. Uh, okay. You see, when you let these things on board your boat, then the Lord is going to hurl out and cast out a storm and a fish because he loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to stay in that situation. He's going to turn you back to your destiny, back to your purpose. And if you have to be swallowed up in order for it to happen, he will do that. Because we brought the wrong things on board the boat. And so, what do we have to offload? Oh, what, do, what do people offload to keep these things on the boat? It's amazing to me. The moment people get in the storm and they've got the wrong things on the boat, they offload the wrong things. <laughs> they offload the cargo. Are these people nuts? They begin to throw the cargo overboard in order to save the boat and to save Jonah. All the, the cargo is what they're carrying to Tarshish. The cargo is their treasures and their valuables and they're willing to throw the cargo and the treasures and the valuable things of their life overboard in order to save Jonah and the boat. And we do the same thing. The moment we find ourselves in the storm, we will offload the valuables, the treasures, the resources of our life in order to save the boat, in order to save ourselves. We'll give up anything to keep it on board the boat. Yeah, people will offload their convictions. I mean, it was wrong until I'm in the middle of it, and now it doesn't apply to me. Oh, hallelujah. They'll offload the truth of God's word. Well, that was their truth. That's not my truth. They'll offload their morals and their standards to keep things on board the boat that they need to offload. They'll give them up. <laughs> that, you know what they'll offload? Common sense. My mama never would tell me that I'm crazy. She wouldn't use that word, but she'd say it like this. Son, have you taken leave of your senses? <laughs> Some of you older people can relate to that. <laughs> that was my mama's way of saying, son, you're crazy. You've lost all common sense. Do you know that's what people do? They bring these things on board their boat and then they offload their common sense. It's not common sense to throw away the cargo. It's not common sense to give up your convictions and your values and the truth of God's word. It, they'll throw off the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
They'll resist the Spirit, quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, and then they'll say, well, if you're guilty about that, no, you've thrown him overboard. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, to me, it's the Geico commercial. You know, the one about when you star in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. You know that one. And the kid's coming running through the woods, falling and tripping, and here's the old haunted house. And somebody says, let's hide in the attic. And somebody else says, let's hide in the basement. And some girl says, why don't we just get into the running car? And they said, are you crazy? Have you taken leave of your senses? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Oh, yeah. Is it any wonder that the, the bad guy's standing there and takes his mask off and rolls his eyes and shakes his head? I mean, high, and, and if you, I know Geico breaks in right then, but if you listen at the end of it, they finally say, let's run to the cemetery. Oh, that makes lots of sense. But that's exactly what happens in the middle of the storm. In order to keep Jonah on board the boat and to save the boat, they're willing to offload all the wrong things. The cargo, the convictions. Hallelujah. But what do we need to offload? In other words, it came to the point that they realized what's causing the storm. And Jonah says, the only way you can save the ship the only way that you can save me is to cast me off, is to hurl me out. You have to offload me. You have to get rid of what's booked passage on your boat in order to have peace. You have to throw it overboard. Don't you understand? If you save Jonah... If you save the boat by casting out the cargo and rowing harder and, and concentrating more and, and you ultimately make it through the storm, you haven't saved you, you haven't saved the boat, you haven't saved him, and you certainly haven't saved Nineveh. You've lost everything. So the only thing you can do is to cast off, offload, hurl out the things you're supposed to. And what are they? Well... First of all, you have, to, you have to offload sin. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful when we cast it off to swallow it up with His grace. Uh, 1 John 3 and 9 says that we cannot continue to practice sin because God's seed remains within us and we are a part of His family. So we have to offload and cast off sin. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, he says to abstain from all the appearance of evil. And it doesn't mean what we think it means, what looks like evil. No, it means the very, the very shape and form of evil. In other words, he's saying you have to get rid of all evil in your life. You have to cast it off. In Ephesians 5 and 11, he says to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, cast them off, and do not give any place to the devil. Don't give the devil an open door. That's what it means. Don't let him get his foot in the door. And you do that by having no fellowship. You cast away evil. Amen. 
In Ephesians 4 and 21, he says that we put off or cast out everything that applied to our former life. We put off the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and we are renewed in the spirit of your mind. And we put on the new man, which is created in God in righteousness and true holiness. And he goes on to say, cast off lust, envy, anger, give no place to the devil, cast off wrath, no stealing, no corrupt communications, no bitterness, no clamor, no evil speaking, no malice. Cast all those things off because you're a new person in Christ Jesus. Get rid of all the old. Throw it off. Get off my boat. And then in Colossians 3, 1 through 10, he said, if you are risen with Christ, then seek those things which be above and not on the things of this earth. And then he begins to list what you have to cast away. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, being mean to one another. Uh, uh, he goes on to say, you have to deal with anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy. And he says, all this stuff has to be thrown away. If the storm's going to cease... You have to download everything that's caused the storm. Right? Pleasures of sin, possessions, pride, position, power. Everything that you, you have to download, you have to hurl it, you have to let go of it. Or the storm will keep on. And the last thing you have to throw off is people. Now I know this one is not going to be popular. I understand this. But when somebody's on board your boat, you let them on. And you just have to have them. Brother Bob, you don't understand. They're such a good friend. Are they leading you to God? Are they leading you away from God? But, but I love them so much. And you'd do anything to appease them. And after you've appeased them, the storm gets worse. And I know immediately what some of you are going to say. You do not have scripture for that. Yes, I do. Jesus is inclusive, not exclusive. He never throws anybody overboard. Really? Then maybe you haven't read the story of Judas. Even though Jesus loved him and chose him and seated him in the place of position at the Last Supper and gave him the biggest piece of pie in the meal... Then finally, Jesus looked at him and said, Judas, what you have to do, go on out and do it quickly. He downloaded him, offloaded him, cast him out. Uh, okay. So you, you, really, you really have scripture for that. Yeah. Uh, all you have to do is turn to 1 John 1 and 9. And John says the spirit of Antichrist is already at work and those spirits of Antichrist are already here and people have gone out from us because they were never with us. In other words, they've been put off board the boat. Get off my boat. You were never with us. You were really the spirit that was in antithesis and, and in uh, opposition to Christianity and, and you got to go. If you'd been with us, you would have stayed with us. But because you did not stay with us and you went out from us, then you were not with us. Okay. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22. Or, or let, me, let me get the right one. Uh, 1, John, uh, 3 and, uh, 1 John 1 and 19 is what I just quoted. Titus 3 and 10. A man that is a heretic 
who has denied the reality of the truth of the gospel after the first and second admonition you reject. This is what scripture says. And that word reject means to cast off or to hurl out. 1 Corinthians 5 verses 5 through 7 said, Paul said, I have delivered such a one. There was sin in the church, incest, terrible sin. And Paul put it like this. He said, I have delivered that one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of salvation. In other words, he excommunicated, he put him out because of the sin. 1 Timothy 1, 19 through 20. Hymenaeus and Alexander, they are destroying the faith of many and I have excommunicated them or put them out and delivered them unto Satan. Acts chapter 5. What do you think Acts chapter 5 is all about? Ananias and Sapphira. The possession was theirs. They sold it. They could have done anything they wanted to with the money. And yet they lied and claimed more than they were willing to give. And they're cast out. Because that New Testament church is just starting. And it cannot be built upon the foundations of lying to the Holy Spirit. And they were cast out. They had to get rid. They had to get off the boat. Oh, hallelujah. And probably one of the greatest examples I know of is the story of Paul. He and Barnabas and a young nephew of Barnabas by the name of John Mark are going on the first missionary trip. And you know what happens? God honors them and, and souls are saved and the gospel's open to the Gentiles and everybody's happy except John Mark and God changes the leadership from Barnabas to Paul and John Mark leaves. He goes. And now they're going to go on the second missionary journey and they're on the dock ready to board the boat and here comes Barnabas with John Mark and Paul says, why are you bringing him? I don't, I don't allow anyone to go the second time who left the first time. He's not going. The contention was so sharp between them that they were divided asunder. And Barnabas took John Mark and went in one direction and Paul chose Silas and one another. He got him off the boat. He put him off the boat. Not to swallow him up, but he might be saved. Not to destroy him, but to deliver him and restore him to his destiny. Not to, to, to perish, but to pardon and to restore to his purpose. Did it work? Oh, yes. Because John Mark goes with Barnabas. He later meets somebody by the name of Peter. And he begins to hang out with Peter. And later on in his life, he wrote a little book in the Bible called The Gospel of Mark. So he wasn't swallowed up. He was saved. He wasn't destroyed. He was delivered. And I know that because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes and says, hey, when you come, bring John Mark with you because he is profitable unto me for ministry and service. And they had been reconciled. Don't you see? Sometimes we have to put people off the boat. Not only will it save you in the boat, but ultimately will save them. They won't be swallowed up. They'll be saved. They won't be destroyed. They'll be delivered. They won't perish. They'll be pardoned. Don't you understand? God is at work on them just like he's at work in you. And you have to let them go. I'll give you an example and I'll close. The pastor raised his son in church. Like a lot of teenagers, he rebelled, got on marijuana, ultimately began to hardline drugs. And every time he'd get in trouble and arrested, he'd call his dad. And he'd say, Dad, you're going to have to bail me out. And the dad would go down and pay the fine or the bail, get him out of jail. Every time. 
In fact, he did it until he had used all of his resources, all of his retirement, and had mortgaged his home. And the son just kept over and over and over. And so one night, the phone rings, and the boy says, Dad, I'm in jail, and this time I'm in real trouble. We used a gun and did an armed robbery. And you got to bail me out because I'm facing 10 years. Pastor hangs up the phone, reaches over on the board and gets the keys to the car and he starts down the sidewalk. Listen to me. And while he's walking down the sidewalk, the Holy Spirit says, you're going to be the death of your son. It shocks him. He said, what? And the Holy Spirit said, you are going to be the death of your son. And he says, what are you talking? God said, Every time I get him in the position to save him and deliver him, you get him out. And if you get him out this time, you're going to be the death of your son. Pastor turns around, puts the keys on the board, calls his son, says, not this time. I'm done. Boys, tried, sentenced, 10 years in prison. But the first year in prison, he meets a chaplain that leads him to Jesus Christ from his background and what his father had taught him. Gloriously saved and converted and delivered. And because of his background with his father, he knows so much about the Bible, he begins to help the chaplain. And for two years, he's serving and helping the other prisoners and living for God. The third year, he's diagnosed with stomach cancer. And the fourth year, he dies. And if the father hadn't got him off the boat, he would have been lost. And all those he helped would have been lost. There's sometimes you have to say, get off the boat. And what is it? Read it in First Peter. Casting all your cares upon him. And what did Pastor Steve teach you about the Greek word for all? Cast off, hurl out. Cast out all of your cares. Cast everything upon him. Let it all go. And he'll care for you. He'll deliver you. He'll calm your storm and save your boat and restore your purpose and your destiny. Stand right now. And so the Lord just wants me to tell you, it's time you said... Get off my boat. It's time you cast out everything, the right things, not your convictions, not your common sense, not your car, but the sin, the possessions, everything that's pushing you away from God, even people. It's the only way you're ever going to have peace. It's the only way you're going to have deliverance. And while they're playing for just a moment, if there's some things you need to get off your boat, to cast on the Lord, to cast your cares, to cast out, to hurl out, to get rid of, in your own life, on your own boat, then I want you to step out from where you are. I want you to come and stand with me very quickly, right, right here at the front. Would you do it? There's some things, Brother Bob, I, I need to get off board my boat. 
that I've allowed to come on, I'm in the storm. And I need to get them off my boat. I need to get them off my boat. Come on. The Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit's convicting you right now of some of the things you allowed on your boat. I, I know we're running out of time. I, I'm trying to be time conscious. Listen to me. Some things are obvious. Addiction's kind of hard not to be obvious. But there's some things on your boat possessions, people, pride, resentment, anger that's causing a storm in your life. And they're not as obvious. They're asleep in the bottom part of the ship. Most people don't even know you're in the storm, but you do. And you need to get rid of them. You need to say this morning, get off my boat. I want you to come. I want you to come. Some of you, it's resentment, bitterness, hurt, caused your anguish and trouble and the storms are raging. God wants you to have peace. That's what this book is about, forgiveness and mercy. You need to offload it. Would you bring it to Jesus right now? The Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit's here. Friend, God's speaking right now. God's speaking right now. I'm telling you, the Lord told me to preach this. I don't know a lot of things, but I know when he speaks. And you need to offload. You need to cast off your boat what's causing your storm. Cast it upon Jesus. He cares. He's merciful and forgiving and gracious. I want you to bring it to the Lord quickly, quickly. Holy Spirit speaking quickly, quickly, quickly. Hallelujah. I, I, you guys humor me about the next service. Would you, would you pass out a piece of paper? Pass out a piece of paper, Pastor. Just take a little sheet of paper. have pencils, but for time's sake, we won't use them. You know what you need to do? You need to write on this piece of paper with your eyes what you need to get off board your boat. Now, I'm not talking about a hundred things. I'm talking about the one central thing that's in the bottom of the boat that's asleep while you're on the top about to be shipwrecked. That one thing that's causing your storm. That one sin, that one possession, that one seeking after position, that one person that's pulling you away from God. That anger, that hurt, that bitterness. Would you do it? Would you hold the paper up? Father, we need to download. We need to offload and cast off everything that's causing the storm in our life. And you said, 
we could cast off on you all of our distractions and hurts and sins because you care for us. You're merciful and gracious and you bear it for us. And that's what we want to do. We need peace. And we need to say, get off my boat. Get off my boat. Ride it with your eyes. The one thing. And wad the paper up. And when Peter said cast, he used a unique word. It's balo in the Greek, eripto. And it's the picture of casting an anchor. So you're on the bow of the boat and you're hurling out. You're casting out. You hold on to it, you're going to go in the sea. So the picture is you have to let it go. And the Bible says when you cast it out, cast it on Him, He cares. He forgives. He delivers. He calms the storm. He heals. He sets you free. And so what we got to do today is let it go. Hold it just like that. Now, you got to believe something. I'm going to pray, and in the prayer, I'm going to say, cast all of your cares. And when I say that, I want you to believe something. I'm going to throw it as high and as far as I possibly can. And the moment that it leaves my hand. He's going to heal. He's going to forgive. He's going to deliver. He's going to set me free. You believe that? Congregation, raise your hands. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, the one that cared for us, that provided grace and mercy and forgiveness, that took my sins and bore them on his own cross and was resurrected in the newness of life for my victory. And because of that, because of your love and your forgiveness and your mercy, right now in your name, I cast every care. <laughs> Hallelujah. I cast. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead, praise him. Hallelujah. I let it go. Get off my boat. In the name of Jesus, I'm free right now. In the name of Jesus, right there. Right there. Gone. Peace be still. Hallelujah. Peace be still. Right there in the name of Jesus. Right there in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right there. Right there in the name of Jesus. Right there in the name of Jesus. Done. Done. Free in Jesus' name. Free in Jesus' name. Free in Jesus' name. Amen. While pastor's coming, will you turn to somebody and say, it's off my boat and I'm free. It's off my boat and I'm free. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.